Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Growing up in Oklahoma, there was a certain um, sort of understanding that we had about um, the Word of God and what that was and what that was not. And in our culture, largely, when we talk about the Word of God, what we mean is, is we mean the Holy Scriptures. And while that is certainly one way of talking about the Word of God and referring to them as the Holy Scriptures, the Bible, um, it is not the only way that um, the tradition of the church has talked about what the Word of God is. We hear in today's reading from 2 Timothy, Timothy is um, uh, a disciple, you know, has been a student of Paul. Uh, tradition has it that uh, Timothy was the first bishop of Ephesus, and Paul is writing this letter that is encouraging um, uh, Timothy to remain steadfast in the teachings despite uh, the appearance of false teachings in the church. So um, divisions and conflict within the church are happening at the very, very groundbreaking. This is nothing that's new for us. And, 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 and Paul writes, he says, all scripture is inspired by God, or God breathed, the word that he uses, and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient and equipped for every good work. So that's Paul's description of scripture. That it is something that is breathed by God, useful for teaching, for reproof, correction, for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient and equipped for every good work. So that's a lot of water for Scripture to carry. And one of the things that we have to like, when, we're, when we read this passage, we have to immediately understand Paul is not talking about the Gospel of Luke. It's not written yet. He's not talking about the book of Revelation. John hasn't had that dream yet. He's talking about the, the scriptures that we refer to as the Old Testament. And this is something I always sort of hone in on uh, during our welcome class, that Old Testament does not mean outdated or old as in more, boy, that's old-fashioned stuff, but old as in this is the first witness to God that as Christians we believe points to Jesus Christ. Paul does not mean by God-inspired that God facts down the words of the Bible into, um, in, in, you know, in a bound book and just said, here, go take this to Kinko's and print it. Uh, God did not just email a PDF to Paul and say, hey, Paul, by the way, could you please print this out for me? What Paul means by inspired or God-breathed is that the Holy Spirit is at work in the people who are writing the scriptures and that the Holy Spirit is in work within us as we are trying to wrestle with these scriptures. And for the, for the first, you know, 
I don't know, 1,500, 1,600 years of Christianity, this sort of wrestling with Scripture, of hearing the Scriptures, of studying the Scriptures within Christian community would have been done within community because you had these giant scrolls, right? And, and so there's no pocket scroll that you can just simply put in there and when you're ready, you can open up and you begin to study because, you know, these scrolls are giant things and, and you're not fitting them in your pocket, and scrolls were really expensive. I mean, I don't know if you've ever had to write out something um, by, by, by longhand. Like, um, whenever I write papers now um, and, and, and sermons, I always have um, preachers that are, you know, a generation or two older than me who will sit there and go, well, back in my day, I had to do it on a typewriter. And if you made a mistake, you had to start over. They didn't even have typewriters. Right? They're literally paying somebody to write these things by hand, and so they were expensive. And so very few churches, except for the biggest and, 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 and most wealthy churches, would have had an entire collection of the Holy Scriptures. Rowan Williams says this about the way that people learn the Bible. He says that people recited it to one another, that people prayed the Scriptures, they copied stretches of it out of memory, he says, and that's why there's sometimes faulty quotations in the Bible, because sometimes our memories aren't perfect. They assembled collections of Sunday readings so that they could sit there and understand the core story of the Bible. They used art like stained glass windows so they could remember the core stories. The Bible is not a list of instructions like it's a textbook. But the Bible does contain some history. The Bible does contain stories of our faith. The Bible also has poetry. The Bible has wisdom in it. And we instinctively know that when we read, say, down at the library and we go grab a mystery, we do not read that mystery from David Baldacci the same way that we might read a William Shakespeare play. Or even, you know, pick a, a, I'm not a poet. I wish Don Dyer was here because Don's a poet and he would, you know, he's always saying, here, go read this poet. But we know instinctively that when we read things uh, uh, in, in, in like a, a, a library of modern day literature that we read them differently, but somehow we apply the same lens to scripture when we should be reading history, different than story, different than poetry, different than prophecy. So we know that the collections of the books in the Bible are all different and that we have to read them differently through different lenses. Now, if the Bible was meant for clear instruction, right? If this is a textbook and we're going to open the thing up and we're going to be able to figure out life's quandaries, I can guarantee you if that was true, Jesus never would have preached in parables. I don't know if you have ever tried to understand one of Jesus' parables, but some of them I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> you, you, you think you could maybe provide a little commentary here so we could understand it? Right? Scripture is something that is intended to be wrestled with, much like the story that we hear in the Old Testament today um, about Jacob, who wrestles with God and God breaks Jacob's hip. Um, which means that, you know, I mean, Jacob's got to be a pretty good wrestler if he took God to that extent that God had to break Jacob's hip to finally win. Um, but then, you know, um, Jacob's name changes to Israel 
the one who wrestles with God. And essentially, that's what we are called to do. One of the psalmists talks about meditating upon God's law or meditating upon God's word um, as a cow chewing on the cud. Uh, Anybody here grow up with cows? Okay, so cows chew on grass and then they like throw it up and then they eat it again. Right? And, 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 and the psalmist says, this is how we're supposed to read scripture. We're supposed to chew on it for a while. We might sit there and go, bleh, I'm not sure about that part. And then we start chewing it again. So I want to give you some tips about reading Holy Scripture. Because here's the thing, is that, that I believe that the scriptures to be beautiful and wonderful and encouraging and strengthening. They are also challenging and sometimes bewildering. But I think that it is good for us as Christians to read the scriptures on a regular basis. So here's some tips on reading scripture. One, in the Anglican tradition that we are a part of, we have never been a literalist tradition. We never said that, the, that, that, that all pieces had to agree with one another because, frankly, they don't. And I hope I'm not breaking anyone's heart here for a moment, but there are places where Scripture disagrees with one another. And rather than sit there and go, oh, well, the whole thing just must be a bunch of hooey, we sit there and go, wow. So even within Scripture, they're wrestling with the meaning of things. So with our high regard of Scripture, believing that this is the primary way in which God communicates to us about God, about salvation, about the nature of our creation, we are given the gifts of church tradition to help us understand and interpret those passages. There are people who are far smarter than me, like I turn to Rowan Williams, um, who can help me understand these passages. We have also been given God-given reason that we can use our intellect and our intelligence to help interpret these passages. Second point, for the Christian, all scripture points to Jesus and should be interpreted through the lens of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, when Jeremiah or Isaiah or the author of Genesis is writing, I don't think they had in mind Jesus Christ but we understand those scriptures and stories through the life of Jesus Christ. Interpret the minors through the majors, not the other way around. Sometimes we will come upon a piece of scripture that seems befuddling and bewildering, and then we try to create an entire theology based upon this like one-off thing. And it's how we get to things like double predestination. Because suddenly we're having to try to make sense of something. So the point here is, is look at the majors, the big pieces of story in understanding the conflicts around minor issues that may divide us or confuse us. The final thing that I will say to you is this. St. Augustine says that when you have two choices to interpret a passage, interpret it with the most loving and charitable way. So choose the loving and the charitable way for understanding and applying a scripture. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more, go to ChristChurchTulsa.org. And peace be with you.